Now, the, one of the reasons I built a big company and the Lord showed me this so clearly, you've got to have influence, okay? If you're going to create a sheep nation, we need to deal with the minds that are, that are controlling the goat nations. And we need to deal with the engine room of all communities on earth, which is the small to medium enterprises. All right, this is the second installment with Dave Hodson. It's been a week since the first one dropped, and if you didn't watch it, go back and, and grab that one. I, I have not had more comments, more messages uh, about an episode yet to date. People are just saying that it was, you know, it, it was so inspiring and covered so much. It made people think so big. Well, here's the good news. Uh, this is the second half of the interview, and I think this was the better half. So you are going to love this. Strap yourself in, because this one's a big one. All right, let's get to the episode. All right, switching gears completely, right? Obviously, um, we've done the story, 21 years from negative 76 to 2.2 billion. Um, it would be very easy along that way, and there's lots of warnings in Scripture about mammon. Um, you know, some of the translations even mistakenly intercede mammon and money. Um, it would be very easy on the journey to bow your knee to mammon, right? It happens all the time with people who set out I'm full on for the Lord when I'm broke, which is easy to be full on for the Lord when you're broke because you've got nothing else. And then you start to get some level of prosperity. And then, the, and then that's the temptation. There's no temptation when you have no money, right? So the temptation comes whether that's spending money on dumb things like living the high life, Instagram, women, men, like whatever, like this, that, that comes with money. Um, how did you safeguard yourself so that you could pursue wealth um, but not fall foul to the spirit of mammon and the wiles of the enemy and the traps. Yeah, I think I learned the hard way. I never really had the, that issue before the Lord stood me down in, in 29 and uh, two, 2019, whenever it was. Uh, sorry, 1989. So I, I never really, um, 1999, I need to get these decades right. Anyway, I never had that issue so much beforehand. I was I was always able to create a million dollar company, and I was quite happy to fund the church beyond the tithe and so on. So it never bothered me. But that wasn't vast wealth, okay? So once we started to create a much bigger company, I sort of looked at it and kind of realized, okay, here's the opportunity to do a lot more. But by that time, I'd been to the into the pit experience, deep into the pit experience. And I realized that this wealth is actually a tool. And the more that I made and the more that I got uh, an understanding of what a goat nation looks like, okay, because if you're going to go from A to B, you better know where A is. And we're going from goat nations to sheep nations. So I needed to know what is a goat nation. What's the root cause? What created these goat nations? Why are there no sheep nations on earth? And I realized it was a culture of greed and self-centeredness that had been planted in by the devil right at the time Adam and Eve decided to make the wrong decision, okay? Because as they made that decision to learn about good and evil, the, the, the Lord immediately cursed the ground, which was their ability to create wealth. That's the only way they could create wealth, okay? So he shut down that ability, and, and for centuries they had to prove how could they work above the curse? How do they get God to, to lift the curse, which he did for Noah? But the point being, once I understood that, I thought to myself, okay, I'm, I need to make sure that I never get caught up in this man because greed and self-centeredness is 
you know, the way Wes described it, it's quite gentle. It's just the self-centeredness bit, you know, oh, this is all my money, look at look how fancy I am. But there's a big thing on greed. And that is the root cause of almost every, it's the devil's greatest tool to create human suffering, human misery, social distress, everything you can think of, it all comes from there, which is what the culture we have to change in the marketplace into the kingdom culture of caring and sharing. So I knew from having been to the bottom and coming out of it that I always needed to regard this wealth as a tool so that I could have either influence or funding, influence and affluence to achieve my assignment. That doesn't mean I can't drive the latest Land Cruiser. I can't go to the airport and pick up, you know, the Minister for Employment in, in some beat up old Datsun 120Y. Okay, I need to have a reasonable car and I can't be breaking down. I just don't have time. So there's there's reasons to have stuff. And that doesn't mean you can't have fancy stuff. It just means you don't get caught up in it. Worshipping mammon, you know, mammon is a deity. It's not money. It's it, And it would have your allegiance and take your allegiance away from God. That's what it is. And so you just need to treat it as as numbers, basically. That's all I, I do. I just treat it as numbers. It doesn't make any difference except that I can have influence now and I need influence for what I'm doing. The theme of this year's Kingdom Business Summit is taking ground. In the parable of the Minas, we see a story where the master, who is Jesus, gives talents to the servants, which is us, with the instructions to occupy until he returns. But what does it look like to take ground? Ultimately, it's about bringing God's way of trading from heaven to earth. But taking ground starts in the mind. It spills out into our businesses, but ultimately it impacts our communities. And I think we can all agree that we need far more kingdom businesses being salt and light, impacting our communities. Kingdom Business Summit is gonna be a life-changing event. Over the two and a half days, you are gonna learn topics like digital marketing, like sales, like how to recruit, attract and retain the best talent ultimately become the leader that you can become to chase down your God-given vision. You know, there's going to be time for business. There's going to be time for networking. We're going to make time for lunch and dinner. We're going to make time for church service, worship service, and we're going to finish the event with prophetic ministry. You know, I said at the start of the video that taking ground starts in the mind, which is why I've got Duncan Armstrong, gold medalist, talking on disciplines and mindset. And then I said, taking ground goes into our businesses where you'll be hearing from me, Esther and Ash, how to scale up your business practically. And then I said, taking ground moves into our communities, which is why I've got Ed Silvoso, the father of Marketplace, dialing in from California to teach us how do we impact the world around us. You know, I'm really looking forward to linking arms with you and learning how to do business God's way so that we can ultimately do kingdom business and change culture. See you at KBS 2022. So I just want to get more handles on that. Um, of how you do it, like, because I've I've travelled with you, like I said before. I think um, I, I think you were still flying economy when your business was about six to eight hundred mil valuation. Yeah, I mean, I didn't want to when I flew with you fly economy, but we did. Um, I don't anymore. But like, <laughs> but but like, you you consciously made those decisions. You know, like I remember because you said I got a memory right. At, I remember we went for um, lunch once at a very expensive restaurant up on the Gold Coast and you ordered the cheapest meal you could get. And, and it was a good meal, like it wasn't bad, but, but it was just fuel for us to keep moving, you know. And, and um, you know, I've been part of those conversations where somebody prophesied over you that you would have a Rolex and it would get you influence. And you, you literally turned and said, I ain't getting one of them for the rest of my life. Like you're just not interested, right? You know, and, uh, and so... 
And so is it that conscious? Do you feel like it's something, maybe you don't have to think about it now, but when the money first started to come, did you really have to deny the flesh and, and, kind, of, and kind of lay it down and intentionally choose the opposite? Uh, the intention that I had was to, uh, I fully understood that pride was the original sin in terms of the devil wanting to be like God and all that kind of stuff. So I was very intentional about not appearing to be uh, opulent and so on. That, that for me was a big issue. Uh, and generally, I don't care what people think, which is not a good thing as a Christian, I suppose I should care. But I'm kind of a bit thick skinned in that area. And I don't, you know, dress all fancy and things like that. But I, I, I didn't want a Rolex because I'd been a commercial diver for four years, all the Americans who dive me all had Rolexes. And they flashed them around all the time. They blew all their money, you know, we went offshore for six weeks at a time, we came back for 10 days, they blew everything they earned in those 10 days. I was in Singapore with nothing, okay, I'd left Wes is talking about the scars. I left my country because they wanted to hang me. Okay, they thought I blew up twelve of their hawk jets under Robert in Robert Mugabe's uh, air force, and so I was a, I had left the country on holiday, and they were waiting for me to hang me. There's no justice system. They decided it was me, and that was it. So for those four years in Singapore, I couldn't go back. And I had to scrape to get money together to get my wife and kids out of Africa so they never got caught by Mugabe and I had to go back. So point being, there's, I'm working as the poorest of the poor, completely stateless, no country to live in, in Singapore on a two-week visa that kept getting renewed by the company that I was diving for. I'd lied my way into a diving job, so I was very you know, it was easy for me to get deported back home or what used to be my home. And here's these guys earning so much money and just blowing it all the time and going back, their, their, their brains were blown away from drugs and booze and all the beautiful girls in Asia. And they got all kinds of sickness and so on. But at, and at the end of the day, I saw all of that and I thought, wow, this is the opulence that the Egyptians had that Joseph had to go and fix, you know, and I wasn't a Christian then, but once I became a Christian, I saw all of this and I put all that together. So I made a decision. I did not need that. It was no benefit in that. It shortened your life. You never did your assignment. You never did anything properly. And ultimately, you just made a mess of yourself. And now a lot of those guys, they died in their 50s and early 60s. And, you know, that to me was just a waste of a life. So that in back in those days, but even then later making money and so on, I just never wanted to be, I'm, I'm a very reclusive individual. I don't like being the center of attention. I don't like public speaking. I don't like lecturing, which is probably why God chose me to run such a big ministry because I'll never take it for myself. But the point being, all of that was based on not wanting to look opulent. And therefore, I didn't have so much problem as most people of allowing the mammon to get on top of me. The big thing, guys, is to learn what rules your mountain. There are seven mountains, 7M. There's different spirits that rule different mountains. And ours, the, 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 the biggest one on our mountain, the mountain of economics, the mountain of business, if you like, is mammon. And that is what Joshua had to wipe out in the promised land. That was why God said, flatten this thing and bring in what I taught you in the desert. And that's what he had to do because it was such a big deal. Babylon is, is mammon, you know? So, so I want to press you on how you do it today. Do you pay yourself a fixed wage and just live in those means? Like how do you and Merlene manage that? Because obviously you could probably go to the bank, uh, borrow enough money to, well, I mean, you could obviously never work again if you wanted to, you could fire it for sale assets. How, how do you, how do you handle that? you know, today when you've got this yeah. big business that is growing every single year, 
but you only yeah. need a certain amount. So how do you yeah. do that? Purely because I'm driven by vision. Okay. So I, I don't, uh, for me, yes, we could sell Paladin Corporation and, and live happily ever after. But that's, I've learned that's not why God put me on earth. And I don't want him to shut me down again because he's done that in the Bible to a lot of people too. And I know what it's like. So ultimately, I'm driven by vision. The Lord, you know, guys, if you look back on your own lives, look at your life's training. What did God put you through? The good times, the bad times, the hard times, everything. And it's it's for a reason. He's trained you through all that. And when I look back, my years fighting for a country which we won the war but lost the country because of the politics. Uh, and I saw the country the most, the breadbasket of Africa collapse into the basket case of Africa because of corruption and greed and self-centeredness, Babylon, right? Then I came to Australia thinking, this is heaven. I could bring up my kids here. It's not going to collapse. Well, I very quickly saw the corruption and greed here and self-centeredness. And I thought, wow, we have to fix this. And that was when the Lord was saying, awesome. I'm glad you've learned. And the Christians were crooked and corrupt as well. When I became a Christian, I saw that straight away. And that was when the Lord was saying to me, dude, you need, this is why I've trained you through this. This is why I put you through this. Now this is what I want you to do. So when you're driven by vision instead of by profit, it's a whole different world. And, you know, when you understand that if you can create wealth for a community instead of for yourself, you know, you're, you're going to all rise with the tide. You will create a lot more just by default. You will earn a lot more. But the wealth doesn't get a grip of you because you're driven by the vision. And the vision is to make sure we get, you know, get rid of the social distress. We want human flourishing and universal prosperity. That's actually what the kingdom of God is on the ground. Obviously, we want everyone worshipping the one true God. We want salvations. But salvation's followed by the gospel of the kingdom, not them all living in poverty and so on. But our allegiance has to stay to the provider of the assets and not the assets. So that's what drives me. It's vision. And the vision is the, is the assignment that God gave me. Cool. Hey, sorry to butt in, but I need you to subscribe to the show. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe and hit the bell. If you're listening to the podcast, do me a favor. Share, comment, like. See, I'm the one paying the bills around here. We don't have these fancy sponsors that roll in. It's me. I'm paying the bills. And in return, I would love it if you would help me. Subscribe, like, share. All right, let's get back to the show. Um, going back to something you said before, sheep and goat nations, you referenced those a few times. Obviously, it's from Matthew, and it's a bit of end-time theology. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because I'm sure we've all read it, heard about it, and so forth, the gospel of the kingdom and so forth. And it's like, if, he, if he's going to come back and divide the world into sheep and goat nations, and there's currently not a sheep nation, then if he was to come back anytime soon, everyone just goes to hell, right? So, 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 so we could clearly, I could clearly distill from that. He ain't coming back anytime soon, right? That's, I mean, I don't, I don't have a, uh, you know, anything to back that up except a little bit of common sense, right? So, and, and, and yeah, I don't know about you, but I hear that every seven minutes at the moment because of what's going on. Oh, it's the end days and Jesus has come back tonight. And it's not even just the Baptist saying it, right? Um, so, 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 could you just talk, like what what do you think is happening there? Um, and uh, um, you know, at what sort of time frame in terms of vision can you see that we might get the first sheep nation, and then what flows on from there? Yeah. Okay. So when the Lord was showing me, and it was on a pray day in 2011, the, the ultimate assignment that he had for me was sheep nations. He said, showed me that I had two years to learn it, study it, understand it before launching it. So we launched in 2013. But in those two years, the most important thing was to understand what is a modern day sheep nation? What does it physically look like on the ground? It doesn't look like 
everybody screaming and yelling, worshipping God of streets of gold. That isn't practical. That's not a sheep nation, okay? What does it look like? So we had to define it. And in that process, we realised that it was a case of changing the culture in the marketplace, getting rid of all the social distress that, that we can see around us and, and turning it into what Jesus came to deal with in first century Palestine, okay? The, 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 the peace and goodwill and great joy to all mankind is what Jesus came to bring. So ultimately then, once we defined it and realised there are no sheep nations on earth, they're, they're really a hardly even a sheep community. And a sheep nation, obviously, the word that the Lord uses, that Jesus himself is using, is ethnos, which effectively means ethnic groups. Now, ethnic groups have interbred right around the world. It's very hard to find any country on earth that you could say, oh, you know, the ethnic group here is going to be a, is going to be a sheep nation because we're all interbred. So it probably means nations these days. And we start with cities, communities, cities, and nations. So we get all of that together and we deal with all the issues that are there in order to create the world's first modern day sheep nation. What does that look like? And then once we get that, we need the rest of the world to look in and say, how did you do that? So really that that's, the, the, the ultimate of what it is. Now, that is the overarching criteria that God has for mankind on earth, okay? And, and Wes said it's end-time, you know, uh, uh, theology and so on. And that's right. That, that, that's actually what Jesus was talking about on the day. But the theme permeates the entire Bible, okay? There are so many verses and, and chapters in the Bible. Isaiah, Isaiah 58 is all about exactly this, the whole book of James, you know, just all over the Bible, it's the same theme. So it's not only an end time thing. It's like we should have been doing it all the way through. And when you look at the sheep nations and you look at the narrative itself, where God says, okay, where Jesus says, okay, you know, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was sick, you came visit me, this and this and this. And, and they all say, well, gee, that's awesome. Lord, when do we do that for you? And he says, oh, well, when you did it to what the poor of these people, you did it for me. So in other words, fix all this stuff here. And if you do that, then you come onto the right-hand side, you go to the kingdom that was set up for you before time. On the other hand, if you don't do that, you're going, as Wes says, to hell. You're going where it's pretty warmish. And the point being that those people who are goat nations, they're not necessarily the perpetrators. They just did nothing. That was it. They simply didn't do anything. And, and that's what the narrative says. When you didn't come and look after me, when you didn't come visit, didn't give me a shirt, that kind of stuff, you, you then did nothing. So, so the, the summary then, guys, is we do not have the option to do nothing, especially as Christians, especially when we know what God's telling us. His overarching vision for the entire planet is to create cheap nations so that he can come back and divide them off. This is my bride. These are the ones that are so influenced by the devil. It's irretrievable, just like the flood, just like the promised land. They, they we're wiping them out, and this lot I can do the next thousand years. I can we can work together. Okay, so think about that. You you when you get your assignment, you don't have the option not to do it. You don't have the option to sit on your butt and vegetate. Uh, that ain't going to get you where God wants you to be, and that's when you get the please explain. Uh, you know, to account for your time on earth. It's not going to be pretty if we don't actually get on and do those assignments and, and address the issues. And I think one of the greatest rebukes in scripture is, you know, there are going to be people that prophesy in his name and they're, they're going to get to the end. There's going, I don't even know you. Like, I don't even know you. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't play a small part in a really big picture, which is, yeah. which is all that we're talking about here. So we've got our model of how we want to impact the world but there are others that have a model for how they want to impact the world. 
I want to talk a little bit about the Great Reset, right? You, I'm sure you get a ton of, I get what do I think about it every seven minutes. And it's really interesting because, you know, the phrase is you'll own nothing and be happy, which I think is really interesting because as a child of God, I own nothing and I'm happy. It's not mine anyway. Yeah. It, it's, it's so close, right? Uh, and yet completely devoid um, of all things righteous. Um, obviously, you know, this has been, this is, this is an agenda that's not pushed by man. This is an agenda pushed by an enemy through man. Um, but it's really interesting because, you know, the people that are peddling this are old dudes who won't ever see the benefit of it, right? But the time, but if they were to ever achieve their outcome, they're dead, they're, you know, they're probably in hell, I would assume. Um, what are your thoughts on where we're going? And practically, what does it look like to to turn the tide back to righteousness. Yeah. So in their mindset, 2030 is the year of the reset. So it's not that far away in terms of them being old. It's only eight years away. Um, but if you understand a little bit about it, so the World Economic Forum, the, the Great Reset is an initiative of the WEF, obviously. And that's a very influential, really, it's a think tank, I suppose, of what started off as and you guys probably all know about it, especially if you're WES's, you know, students uh, started by Klaus Schwab and so on. Um, but it is um, it is a very important organisation for us to pay attention to because it's, you know, it's a big part of the UN, the United Nations, International Monetary Fund, uh, governments, big business, especially big tech, um, big banking families are involved, uh, many powerful figures like Prince Charles, for example, and lots of celebrities who are actually younger folk, you know, uh, they're all, you know, climate activism is a big thing. So got all this thing going on. And as Wes said, there, there is this idea that you will own nothing. So in order for everyone to own nothing and rent everything, and you'll be happy because you don't have to worry about ownership, they've got to change the whole economic understanding and the whole economic culture. And somebody obviously is going to centralise all the wealth and control who's renting what and where the rent's going. All right, but I'm sure you guys would have seen all the videos that they've released. There's no secret. They've written books on it and it's all over their website and so on. Um, the idea was to use, I think, COVID-19, the lockdowns, the government control and so on was to initiate it all and ultimately get us used to all that sort of stuff. So just be aware it's not some conspiracy theory. It's actually fact. They actually are working on it. Um, we have avenue into the World Economic Forum. When I say we, I'm talking about KI, the marketplace ministry that I run. Um, within there, you know, we've developed, because we are world leaders in applied biblical economics, and I mean that from a context of lecturing to academia, lecturing all over the world, you know, uh, even attending the, the White House to speak to the Treasury of the United States about it at their invitation and so on. So a lot of, at, at very high level uh, influence that we have, secular unis um, and so on. So with all of that came avenue into the WEF and to other world leaders around the world. And with that, I've learned that we can get in there and change the mindsets that are going on. So if you were to ask me, what do I think and will this happen? Will the Great Reset happen? I don't think it will happen because never in human history has anybody ever been able to suppress the human spirit for any great length of time. And... And right now, the way 
the the world is such that we are so interconnected so it's so easy to have influence so quickly i don't think they will get away with trying to implement this because they they broadcast it too early and there's such a big movement against it already now where's we're saying well what, what what do we do about it and things like that okay in my case i learned to infiltrate and remediate and I learned that when I was in the Salu Scouts. I was in two special forces units, the SAS, uh, which you all know about, whereby we fight behind enemy lines and blow up everything, cause all sorts of disruption and then take off, you know. But I was also in the Salu Scouts where we were trained to become the enemy, uh, trained as a terrorist, and then I fought the war as a terrorist, infiltrated their ranks and fought from within. And only certain people could do that, but I was able to do that. And within that, our objective was not necessary to kill them. It was to change their hearts and minds. We called it PSYOPs. And that was the first objective, was to actually change their hearts and minds because they had been uh, abducted from the country, from Rhodesia, taken to Red China and Russia, which depending on which tribe these people came from, and indoctrinated with communism. So they came back as communists and as terrorists, and they were very, very brutal and violent and aggressive, but they were communists. We were, our job was to try to prove to them that there was a better way to come back into the Western Christian uh, economic world, capitalist uh, society. So that was what our job was. And if that didn't work, we'll obviously take them out. And we were very, very successful. And we, we, we caught a lot of them and re-educated them, and not in the German way, but in our way, and actually uh, um, you know, turned them back so they fought for us and alongside us. It was the most amazing thing. So doing that, I brought that into my spiritual world and my spiritual life when I became a Christian, and now doing that at, a, at the highest level and at the lowest from the ground up and from the top down. Now, the, one of the reasons I built a big company and the Lord showed me this so clearly You've got to have influence, okay? If you're going to create a sheep nation, we need to deal with the mines that are, that are controlling the goat nations. And we need to deal with the engine room of all communities on earth, which is the small to medium enterprises, okay? So we do deal with the SMEs. That's a slightly different topic. But from the top down, because we built a billion-dollar corporation, I'm able to sit with other billionaires and get into their ears without them thinking I'm here for the money. I've sat with world leaders. I've sat with the treasurer of the United States and discussed domestic policy. And I've discussed all these things. And when you come to sitting with some of these leaders, some of them are really, really toxic, hated people. And they have plundered their own people into oblivion. And they have so much, so much money. I've been able to sit there and say to them, so what is it that you want? What more can you possibly have? And, you know, almost all of them, very few had a different story, but almost all of them had the same thing. And it was succession planning and uh, legacy. That was what they were interested in. You know, I want to make sure that all the stuff that I've put together, which mostly I inherited, and I want to pass it on to my family, to my children, and I want the world to really love me and say what a good guy I was. And you find that, you know, US presidents in their second term, that's what they tend to do and try to create their own legacies and so on. But at the end of the day, I was able to sit with them and say, well, you know what? I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to cut the throats of your sons and daughters as soon as they get the wealth. If they're not as strong and can control the human spirit like you have, they're going to slit their throats and take all the wealth anyway. It's always happened. Look at the last 800 years of you know, modern-day history. You'll find every 80 to 100 years it happens. There's a rebellion, there's a war, whatever. And you know, the, the legacy is they're going to hate you because you've plundered them. 
if you do it God's way, and I don't have to use the word God's way, if you do it this way, where you trade or you form policy with everybody, you look after them and you make sure they all prosper, they will love you and you will all make so much more. And here's the proof of concept because we've done it. And this is how we did it. And this is how we did it. This is how we did it. So we infiltrate and remediate by changing the hearts and minds. Here's an example. Have I got time, Wes? I don't want to. Yep. Okay. So here's a, a, a quick example. Uh, the Lord showed us a long time ago that the, the shrill voice of climate activism is going to be a massive problem in the future, okay? So whether you believe in climate change or not, whether you believe that human intervention has anything to do with it or not is actually irrelevant, okay? So some will and some won't, and that's fine. The issue, there's a bigger issue. The issue is that there is somebody trying to shut down the economies uh, deliberately because that's part of the actual Great Reset. Okay, no, I don't have time to go into all of that, but let's just assume I'm correct. So if that was the case, how are we going to deal with this irrational voice of shutting down the economies? You know, I was on a particular um, a committee. It must have been about 2017, I think, in St. Moritz. I was asked to join a committee for forming investment policy for eight religions. There was over $3 trillion worth, $3T trillion US dollars worth of assets and cash to be invested, and they wanted to form investment policy. And I was one of 10 people on that committee to form for all these different faiths. And the one, what they do is they, they positively screen in all the things they like, and they negatively screen out all the things they don't like. So these are different faiths. They're not denominations. They're faiths. There's Hindus, there's Jews, there's evangelicals, there's Orthodox Christians, and so on, Muslims. And the one, you know, obviously Jews and Muslims, they don't want to, they don't want pig farming because they don't like bacon. So they will negative screen that out. And everybody says, okay, fair enough from your point of view. Uh, but then comes things like coal, nah, negative, it's plundering the planet. So they screen it out. So it says, whoa, whoa, if we screen that out, if we shut down coal mining, 300 million people are going to freeze to death in the first year. Do we value climate change? Do we value human life? What is the, what is the, our choice here? And they all sit there dumbfounded. I said, guys, we're all of different faiths, but there's one common denominator, human life, sacrosanct. And are we going to kill 300 million people to feel good? No. Okay, good. So we must infiltrate and remediate. And they all said, well, how do you do that? We must buy a coal mine and get in there and prove that you can actually mine coal profitably profitably, and not pollute the environment, whether you believe in the pollution or not. Okay, let's do that. So we did. We bought into a coal mine, and you should see the favor that the Lord applied because we didn't have the money. So we just bought in and we put in trickle fed money into it until the value went up. They got all the mining approvals, the value quadrupled, tripled, more and more. Ultimately, we ended up with this coal mine uh, after nine years. It took us nine years to put 71 million in, and we we're able to take over it eventually. And then we argued with the people who took it over because they were crooks. We ended up with 80%. Ultimately, the last 20% said, can we come and join you guys? So we drew them up into our parent company. So now we own 100% of that. That. But then the, the legal counsel for that company who had been sitting on this technology for a long time came to us and said, right, you guys are righteous. The other owners didn't even pay us. You guys are awesome. You've paid me in the background because we did. You know, we saw people weren't getting paid. So we paid them ourselves until we took over. So they all loved us, all the creditors. It's God's way. And then ultimately they said, we've got this 
in this incredible technology whereby you can take the coal, put it through these reactors and create green hydrogen with no emissions, 100% green. And you can, and so we were able to negotiate to buy the license for the whole of Australia. Okay, now that means we can fix the coal industry. We can actually not, we can save our second biggest export because the coal can carry on, but it's clean now. It can go through these reactors and create hydrogen instead of going to thermal electricity generation. You generate the electricity through clean hydrogen. And guess what? That shrill voice of climate change has suddenly been silenced. Okay, because all of a sudden there's there's no means, for, there's no credibility left in their argument that coal has to go, fossil fuels have to go. Fossil fuel came from God. God put it there after the flood. That's where most of the coal came from. We're supposed to use it, but we mustn't trash the planet. And there's lots more. Yeah, and um, and you don't get to play that game if you have a small business, right? Now, I mean, you can have a small business today as long as you're, every every large business started small. But I guess in terms of vision and horizon that you're running to, there's still a lot of people that are caught in, you know, I'll make myself a heap of money and then I'll and then I'll really step on it for Jesus, you know, and then I'll yeah. and then I'll give it all away and stuff like that. And um, and maybe they think that it's just like, you know, funding the church, which is excellent and we all need to do. But um, what would you say to somebody who's early on in the game? Um, let's let's do two scenarios just for fun. Somebody who right now is early on in the game, business is doing one to three million or under or whatever but they've got a massive vision to serve the Lord and build something fantastic like you did. What would you say to them? Okay. <clears throat> so the first thing is that, you know, you're, you're, if, if the vision is your assignment and you're sure that it is your assignment, then you must engage it whether you've got no money or lots of money. It's irrelevant. Okay. My assignment was to fund my local church, $100,000 checks, six-figure checks. I had no money. And everything around me said I had no money. But God said, this is your job. And if you do it, I will apply the favor. Well, he did. And he applied that. I did it. I committed irrevocably. I couldn't turn back. And he applied the favor and off it went. The key there, guys, is that your assignment is always going to seem like mission impossible. Okay, so it's literally, you know, Moses, I want you to go to the promised land and, and go and take out seven nations, each of which is greater and mightier than you are. And Moses must have been thinking, you've got to be kidding, Lord. But anyway, he did it. And well, Joshua did it, they, you know, the, together, really. But ultimately, at the end of the day, God applied his favor and it wasn't a problem. So don't be intimidated if you have this uh, huge vision or huge assignment. Make sure it is your assignment. Get your intimacy levels up to know that and get on and do it. And God will apply the favor. You don't have to have the money up front. Most of the time, God is going to stand us down to get our attention so that we can understand the whole thing. Then he's going to build us up just like the army does. And when you get built up you the second time around, you just who dares wins. It's just like, Lord, if you say so, I'll do it. God says, be brave, be brave, be brave. And that's what it is. It's who dares wins. So that's my key to you guys. Just understand that do God's will, God's way. He applies the favor and the supernatural multiplication comes with it. And I don't know very many exceptions to that rule. Second group of people, they're sitting there right now. Business is okay. They're making enough money to tie. They've checked the box. Um, and their vision is their own life. What would you say to those guys? Yeah. If you're making enough money to do okay, that means you're probably a high achiever, uh, I should think, and more is expected of you. So tithing and so on, is you must understand that is generic Christianity. That's like breathing. Despite what all the 
people say about tithing doesn't exist in the New Testament and so on. The fact is we need to keep the, the uh, institutional church running because it's where all the discipleship goes on and so on, and that takes money and it needs to be paid for, and we have been given the gift to create wealth. That's what entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs have, to make more than we need, okay, and fund the kingdom. That is just generic Christianity. There is an assignment for every human being on earth. Nobody was randomly put here just to live and die. So our objective then, guys, every one of you has got to be, I'm just waving at my staff as they all go, I wish I could knock off at four o'clock. Um, anyway, the... Um, uh, you know, everybody has these assignments that we must do, which is why God, God put us in here. Esther, if you don't do this, we're all going to die and God's going to have to raise up someone else to do this assignment. No matter the fact that you're going to get killed if you don't, you know, if the king doesn't accept you on the assignment to go and sleep with him and, and you know, make a proposition to him. So at the end of the day, the point is if you're sitting there comfortable, have a really good look at it. Make sure that you are not just generating goat nations and being part of a goat nation because you've done, you know, you're comfortable in terms of human, in terms of your your national status. Okay, being comfortable in Africa is different to being comfortable here. But the point being, if that is the case, the devil loves to be having all the Christians complacent and comfortable. That's perfect. He's having a field day. He will then tear it all apart. And God is up there thinking, dude, I wish you would do your assignment. I bet I'd just stand him down. Hodgson, I think I'll just stand you down because you're not doing the assignment. So he just dries it up. And that's, you know, it, it, it'll either happen to you here in this, this life or in the next life where God says, what did you do with your time? So understand the dynamics, guys. That's so powerful. Um, Kingdom Initiatives, what is a URL? What's a, what's a web page that somebody can uh, go and check out if they haven't already? Kingdominitiatives.com.au. Um, it used to be called Kingdom Investors. It's now kingdominitiatives.com.au. It is a membership site, um, so it's 20 US a month. We're not there to plunder the people and make money. Most The, the reason we put that site together was to capture the entrepreneurs, to roll out a massive network so that ultimately when we deliver a certain course, which is coming soon, that course will train those entrepreneurs to reach tipping points for change in their communities because those communities actually run the culture of most cities and, and, and uh, countries for that matter. So that's why it's 20 bucks a month. But you can log on there for seven days for free and just download everything, study everything, and, and you'll, you'll uh, get a, an idea. We're doing a lot of stuff. We have a lot of initiatives that we do, unemployment initiatives, all sorts of things around the world that uh, provide solutions to change the culture in the marketplace. Big key, guys, before I go, I guess, we can be as adversarial as we want to with what's going on in the world, the anti-Christian sentiment, the, the destruction of the conventional family, all that sort of stuff. We can come there and we can protest and thus saith the Lord and look what it says in Romans and all that kind of stuff. That's fine. But if we don't provide a viable alternative, something better than what they've got, then it's going to, we're never going to win. All we're going to do is polarize two opposing armies in the same country. We'll tear ourselves apart and leave it open for the enemy to come in. We've got to go in with solutions. Kingdom initiatives, that's why it's called initiatives, is all about, okay, how do we fix this? Why are they pushing for abortion? What are the consequences if we keep if we keep doing this? You know, how come we have to, we've suddenly got no employment, we're we're, we've got nobody to do the work in this country, 3.3% uh, unemployment, and you can't find anybody to do any work. Well, we killed all the babies. They would have grown up, you know, so all of that kind of logic, it's, We've got to provide solutions. Kingdom Initiative is all about that. So I encourage you to join it, learn stuff. 
um, and you'll see a different perspective. You know, it won't be much different from Wes because, you know, we've kind of grown through this together. But if you go to KI, you'll learn about what Jesus really did on the ground in first century Palestine and what are sheep and goat nations, all this sort of stuff. What is a spiritual due diligence? What is spiritual covering? Mega ref, when nothing's going right for me, how do I self-assess myself? Use the mega ref principles. There's so much so many world firsts on there. This is stuff that's being used by the biggest Bible colleges in the world. You can't get degrees without studying a lot of our modules. So it's there for you if you're interested, guys. Fantastic. Hey, Dave, thank you. Thank you for giving up your time. Uh, this is certainly one of the longer interviews that we've done, but I wanted to just let sorry. you go. No, don't be sorry. Uh, on purpose, it was one of the longer ones. Um, and, uh, you know, there's obviously, I mean, we, we probably scratched the surface and talked about 5% of the stuff that we could talk about. Um, I'm not paying you, so maybe we'll do a second one at some point in the future. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and it's been a delight. And, uh, and I know I appreciate it all of the time. I hear a lot of that. And then there's the odd thing that comes through that I've never heard before, which is amazing. For those of you guys who are watching, um, I want you to kind of take stock of what we just covered over the last hour and go, okay, well, what was the top thing that jumped out to you in amongst all of that everything Dave said was it the big picture stuff was it the little picture stuff I want you to maybe just take three minutes and 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 distill it down into what was the top learning and then I want you to put that in the comments for me because I want the feedback loop from you guys about what is popping out of what you learn Dave it's been a delight thank you so much and for you and for you guys on the podcast we'll see you next week <laughs>